Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Our desire here at South Coast Christian is to create an environment to experience God's presence, is to see what God can do in and through our lives, amen? And that's our desire, is to make disciples, is to go out into all the nations and, and call people to follow Jesus. That's what we're about. That's why we are a church. If we stop doing that, guess what? We should never exist. We got to be about worshiping God. We got to be about experiencing Jesus, but we also have to be out sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Um, as I enter into that, that's what we're talking about today is the 12 apostles. We've been in this series for, I think, for our sixth week now. We're talking about each one of the apostles and how God took ordinary people and did extraordinary things in and through their lives. And we've, we've talked over the last several weeks, I've shared about four of the 12 disciples. We've talked about Andrew, we've talked about Peter, which um, were brothers, and we talked about James and John, another set of brothers. Today, we're going to highlight the life of Philip. So as we do this, we need to take just a few moments and go through some of the details that we can discover about Philip in Scripture. First, there is more than one Philip mentioned in the Bible. And we've already discovered that in, in prior messages where there's more than, you know, different names of Simon. There's more than one Simon in the Bible. And so there's more than one Philip in the Bible as well. And this is probably actually one of the more confusing ones out of all of them is Philip. Uh, first, there is, the, there is the one Philip mentioned in the Bible who is the Philip the Apostle. And he's the disciple who was called to follow Jesus. But there's another Philip that's also Philip the deacon. He's referred to as the evangelist. And it's very easy to get these two Philips confused that there's just one Philip. But actually, there's two. Say two. Two. Um, Philip the deacon was one of the original seven deacons who was chosen by the apostles to serve the Jerusalem church. The apostles were getting so bogged down by all the details of, of, of running a church that they said, you know what, we're, we're, we're lacking, we're, we're neglecting the teaching of the gospel, we're neglecting the preaching of the gospel. Let's bring some people in and, and bring them as deacons so that they can serve in those roles. And, and Philip was one of those that was chosen. And so was Stephen, who was the first martyr that we discover in the New Testament. Stephen was also one that was chosen to be a deacon. And five others. So we have two Philips. We have Philip the Apostle, and we have Philip the Deacon. You can find this information in Acts chapter 6, verse 5. It was Philip the Deacon who, in Acts chapter 8, encountered the Ethiopian eunuch reading the scroll of Isaiah. I don't know if you've read that story, if you're familiar with that story, but there was a, a eunuch who was sitting in his in his in his chariot, and he was reading the, the, the book or the scroll of Isaiah, and there was some confusion, and the Lord just put on Philip's heart to walk over there and to explain the scriptures to him, and so he started to explain the scriptures to him, and it came alive, and as they started going down the, the road in the chariot, all of a sudden, this, this Ethiopian eunuch said, can we stop, can you baptize me, and Philip said, yes, come on. Anytime someone asks, can, I, can you baptize? Yes. And they go into the waters and he baptizes them. And he comes out of the water and supernaturally, Philip is taken away. He's taken away supernaturally. And he's all of a sudden in another location. It's an amazing story that you need to read. It's a powerful story. 
But that's not the story we're studying today because that's Philip the deacon. Just wanted to let you know. And we're talking about Philip the apostle. Philip the apostle was from Galilee. The same area where Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all located. Philip was probably acquainted with all these guys because Philip was probably a fisherman as well. We don't know that for sure, but it seems that that would be natural. When reading through the different record recorded events about Philip, you discover many times Philip was with Nathaniel. And, and when we see that, it just kind of suggests that Philip and Nathaniel are probably pretty close friends. We also get a sense from Scripture that Philip's pa- uh, personality was analytical by nature. He was a process person, very practical, probably gifted towards the area of administration. All the details of what we know about Philip are recorded in the Gospel of John. For example, the very first thing that we discover in in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 43, is that Jesus found Philip in Galilee, where he asked Philip, Philip, come follow me. It's an interesting part of this passage of Scripture because all the other disciples, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, all the ones that we've we've studied so far, they all discovered Jesus on their own. They saw Jesus passing by, and John the Baptist said, uh, this is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And they started to follow him. They all had met Jesus before, and then Jesus comes to them and says, hey, follow me. But it, it seems like in this Scripture that Jesus actually goes and pursues Philip and says, follow me. Philip responded immediately to Jesus and then went and found his good friend Nathanael and told him, we have found him who Moses wrote about. Now this gives us some insight that Philip understood scripture. He understood that there was prophecy about a coming Messiah. He, he understood that like in Genesis chapter 3, the prophecy that the offspring of a woman would crush the serpent's head. Talking about Satan. It all happened in the Garden of Eden. There's a buildup throughout the Old Testament. If you don't realize this, the Old Testament is, is constantly pointing to Jesus. It's constantly pointing to Messiah. It's constantly pointing to his Savior. Philip knows this. And all of a sudden, when he meets Jesus, he says, this is the one that Moses was writing about. Nathaniel, I have found the Savior. I have found the Messiah. So Philip was was prepared to follow Jesus. But when he shared the good news to Nathanael, Nathanael responded, can anything good come out of Nazareth? (laughs) Seriously, Philip? Philip replied, come and see. Come and see. There appears to be this boldness in Philip, which is really interesting because at times when we read the other stories about Philip, his personality has the tendency to, to lean towards more of a wait-and-see attitude and not a come-and-see attitude. But at this point, Philip is assured that this is the one they were waiting for. Come and see. As I was reading about Philip's life, which doesn't take a lot, there's not a ton in Scripture about Philip, but as I was reading the different events, there's some things that came out in there that I just kind of want to bring forth to you guys today. Because I want to discuss a common occurrence that happens among many of us who follow Jesus. As new Christians, we begin our journey to follow Jesus with great excitement because we've had this amazing experience of salvation. 
We, we step into the presence of God. We, we understand God's grace and God's love and God's forgiveness. And all of a sudden, we just feel this, all this weight of sin. We feel this new emboldenment of what God is doing in our lives. And we get so excited about everything that Christ is doing. And we're excited about everything. We want to do everything as a new believer. Because we're excited about Jesus in our life. But for some, the excitement of Jesus begins to fade over time. In fact, Jesus teaches about this similar situation in the parable of the soils, where all of a sudden the seed is spread and some take it and all of a sudden they jump fast at it, but then over time, all of a sudden, guess what? It starts to fade in their lives. All of a sudden, Jesus becomes ordinary and common. In Philip's life, we see this take place in the form of uncertainty. I'm not saying that Philip ever left Jesus. That's not my point. But we can see in Scripture there's times where Philip just takes Jesus as common and as ordinary and not as supernatural. At times, Philip's questioning the complete power of Jesus. Of course, I guess we could say that about almost all of the disciples at different times in their lives, right? That at times that they questioned Jesus and his ministry. But in Philip's life, we see, we see three specific events. Where it's all the events that we have in Philip's life where he hesitates to believe in the power of Jesus. And I want to highlight those to you today because I believe it will help us in our journey as we follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. The first event that we read about in Philip's life was, and I really see it's kind of a story of unbelief, is when Jesus fed the 5,000. We talked about this story. The very first message I preached on the, on the disciple of Andrew, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. We shared about, I shared about how Andrew brought the boys lunch, five barley loaves and two fish, and how he presented it to Jesus. And Jesus took that small little lunch and he multiplied it and he fed over 5,000 people. It's one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament when we read about it. It's an amazing miracle. It's found in all four of the Gospels. But there is more to this story that needs to be seen. And I want to take us back into John chapter 6 today. Because remember, Jesus had crossed over the Sea of Galilee. He had been doing ministry all day. He was tired and the disciples took the boat and he crossed over the Sea of Galilee. But when Jesus gets over there, guess what took place? The crowds had followed them around the lake and they were waiting for Jesus. Jesus goes up onto a mountaintop and he sits down and then he, he sees what's taking place. And I want to pick up the story from this point. I want to read it to you in John chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. It says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, say Philip, Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. And then Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Philip's name ends here in this story. You don't see his name again mentioned in the feeding of the 5,000. There is no more mention. The next name mentioned is Andrew, where all of a sudden Andrew says, here, I have a small boy's lunch. I don't know. Now, Andrew says, I don't know how this is going to help, but here it is, Jesus. What just happened? I think Philip missed an opportunity. It says that Jesus was testing him, and Philip missed this opportunity. The question Jesus posed, man, it overwhelmed Philip. 
It just, all of a sudden, this administrative mind that he has, this, this practical mind that has, all of a sudden, go, what? I had a similar experience when I was at church in Las Vegas years and years ago. The pastor of the church, all of a sudden, we, we had a church of three, two or three, four, 4,000 people. And on a Sunday morning service, all of a sudden, our pastor got so excited about everyone being there. And he was just so excited about everything. And I'm back there as the executive pastor in the very back. And, and he looks at me, Pastor Tom, you know what? I want to take everybody out to lunch. We're going to go to the Seals Barbecue, Pastor Tom. Call them. Get us a reservation. He wasn't joking. I mean, there's probably 500 people in the... What? Get his reservation. Now, we're going to go to, to Lucille's Barbecue right after church. I thought, that's impossible. Are you kidding me? There's no way we can pull this off. I call Lucille's Barbecue. I said, my pastor just invited everybody to your restaurant. <laughs> they go, What? We can't do that. I said, I know, but he's already invited everybody to your restaurant. We're coming. But we can't do that. Okay, if you guys are willing to sit outside, we will provide all the food, but you got to have waiters to serve it. you got to have some people pass out. I said, we will do it. We went to Lucille's Barbecue after church. and we, Now, we didn't feed 5,000, but we fed 500, Okay. I get a little bit what Philip's going through. Jesus goes, hey, we got to feed these people. 5,000 people. We don't have a restaurant. We don't have a store nearby. Even if we could work for months, we don't have the money to feed all these people, Jesus. How in the world can we do it? See, Philip was looking into the situation from a natural perspective. Instead of viewing the situation from a supernatural perspective of faith. Remember, Philip is with Jesus. He's not with Joe Blow down at the bakery department. He's walking with Jesus. And as we read in verse 6, Jesus was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Why this is so interesting to me is because Philip had already seen the miracles that Jesus had performed. We see, in fact, in verse 2 of this same chapter where it states a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs and he healed the sick. Jesus had been walking with the people. He's been healing the sick. Philip's already experiencing the miracles of the blind seeing the lepers being healed. In fact, he's already experienced the miracle where all of a sudden Jesus went into the wedding feast where all of a sudden they, went, they ran out of wine. And Jesus turned water into wine at the, the wedding of Cana. He had seen the impossible be made possible through Jesus. Yet in this moment, Philip goes into panic mode and is only thinking in the natural. He's stuck. This can't be done, Jesus. It's impossible. Have you been there? Even if we get, all, get jobs and work for months, we won't have the money to pay for all this bread and to feed all these people. How many times in our own life do we get stuck by viewing situations from a natural perspective? Our vision becomes too limited. Our vision becomes too narrow. And so we can't see what God wants to do through our life. Just like Philip, 
We all have situations. We all are placed in situations in our life where all of a sudden it's easy to get stuck. And we got to step out of the natural and we need to step into the supernatural. Because with my God, all things are possible through Christ Jesus. We don't live in, in the impossible. We live in the possible as followers of Jesus. We can't allow fear to limit our vision of the future. See, Philip had this administrative side to him. He would reason things out. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, Philip was probably chosen by Jesus because guess what? Jesus needed an administrator. You know, he's walking, he's doing, he has his disciples, he has other disciples, 70, at least 72 others that are following him. There's many people and he needed uh, some administrative type people to administrate, to get everything done. I had this thought that maybe Philip was the CEO, chief operating officers of Jesus nonprofit corporation. But it reminds us, and I want you to, if you want to catch a thought, if you want to write down a thought, write this down. It reminds us that we can never let our natural giftings get in the way of God's supernatural power. You can never, we, I say it this way, you can never let your natural talents get in the way of God's supernatural power. It's kind of humorous as we face difficulties in life, we have this tendency to state the obvious. Philip states the obvious to Jesus. Like Jesus didn't know that we didn't have the food. Like Jesus didn't know that we didn't have the money to feed all these people. Jesus wasn't asking Philip to look from the natural perspective. He was trying to get him to walk into the supernatural. How would Philip respond to the question? From a natural humanistic perspective or from a supernatural God-fearing perspective, knowing that Jesus could perform the impossible? Philip's response to Jesus should have been, Lord, it's impossible with your, without your help. But Lord, I know that you can do the impossible. So tell me, what do you need me to do? That should have been the response. The second event that we see about Philip's life is this, the encounter with the Greeks. And in this story, Jesus and his disciples had just entered Jerusalem. And they were going there for the Passover celebration. And that Passover celebration would last about a week. And so they were heading there for the Passover celebration, all of them together. This is the week before Jesus' crucifixion, before his resurrection. And they're there. And then all of a sudden, these Greek people come and they, they actually seek out Philip. It seems like maybe they had some connection to Philip before. And they seek out Philip and they say, we want to meet Jesus. We want to meet Jesus. And look at Philip's response in John chapter 12, verse 22. And this is the only part of, that we know of anything about Philip in this story. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Now, I don't want to make too much of this story because there's not a lot of details in here. But what stands out to me in this event is that Philip doesn't immediately go to Jesus. He goes to Andrew first. I don't know if there was some kind of protocol that he had to go to Andrew first. I don't think so because it seems like Jesus worked with all the disciples. But he went to Andrew first instead of going to Jesus. It seems like he was hesitant and needed to consult Andrew. We don't know the f f full situation. But we can confidently say this, that it had something to do about the Greeks. We know that. 
Are we to introduce these Greeks or these Gentiles to Jesus? Are we to do that? Because see, Jesus came to minister to the Jews first. He makes that very clear. But yet, at the same time, we continue to see Jesus encountering the Gentiles. There's great things that are taking place. In fact, one of my favorite stories of all time is the, the, is the woman at the well in Samaria where Jesus takes a detour and he goes into Samaria and he talks to this woman at the well and she gets so excited about Jesus because he's talking about living water and he, he introduces to her first that I am the Messiah and she's so excited she goes into the village and she starts to talk about this prophet who knew everything about her life. She goes, I think he's the real deal. And everybody gets so excited that they spend, it says in Scripture, they spent several days there, and many came to know Jesus. These aren't Jews. Now, these are the, the, the Gentiles. So we know that Jesus wants to save everyone. So why the hesitation from Philip? Could it be once again Philip is caught up in the natural thinking, trying to decide what was appropriate, what was proper, it appears to be another opportunity for Philip to step out in faith, knowing that Jesus' desire is for all people to be saved. But all of a sudden, once again, Philip hesitates to decide. And as I was reading this story, something popped out in my head. I just want to share it with you today. And I think maybe it's for some of you. Never let protocol or procedure get in the way of people finding Jesus. Never let protocol or procedures, our church can never become so organized, I want to organize church, but it can never become so organized that people can't find Jesus. If all of a sudden they have to walk and they have to figure out, you have to get reservations, you have to do this, you have to do that, and all, how are people going to find Jesus? It's good to have procedures, but procedures can never get in the way of Christ. The last event we find of Philip's life is his time with Jesus at the Last Supper. It's referred to as the Last Supper because it's really the last meal that Jesus and his disciples were able to share together before Jesus was crucified. And it's during this Last Supper where Jesus reveals many different truths. It's during this Last Supper that Jesus washes all the disciples' feet. He's displaying to each and every one of them and displaying to us today that we should have the heart of a servant. It's during this time where Jesus shares that the betrayer that's going to betray me is sitting at the table with us. It's one of the, it's one of the 12. It's one of the disciples. This is all happening at this dinner time. It's also during this meal that Jesus looks at Peter when Peter said, man, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he looks at Peter. He says, before the rooster crows tonight, you have denied me three times, Peter. This ain't just some relaxed campfire meal over the fire. This is this, <laughs> this meal, this Last Supper. Woo, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of events taking place. After all this takes place, Jesus began to share some encouragement to his disciples because he knows he's going to be crucified and they're going to be devastated. Even though he's told them over and over that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come back. Don't worry. They're still living in the natural. When they see, he knows, when they see him crucified, Jesus is gone. So he takes this time to begin to share some encouragement to his disciples. We find this in John chapter 14, where Jesus shares, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. 
Jesus wants his disciples to know that he's going to his father's house where he will prepare a place for each and every one of them. And when he returns, he will take them home to be with him. Then Jesus said, and you know the way to where I am going. You know where I'm going. But Thomas replied, the other, one of the other disciples says, no, we don't know, Lord. How can we know the way? And here we read one of the most famous scriptures that is quoted often. I quote it many times from this platform. And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The next comment comes from Philip. It's the last comment from Philip that is recorded in the Bible. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever made a comment that as soon as it leaves your lips, you just wish ah, you wanted to grab it right back? Have you ever put your shoe so far down your throat that you feel like you're going to throw up? Philip has. He does it right here. Let me share the comment Philip makes. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. <laughs> and Jesus replied, I can't imagine being Philip right now. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you, you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Whew. Come on. How long have you been walking with Jesus? So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do, Philip. Come on. The dialogue between Philip and Jesus highlights Philip's struggle with unbelief. Verse 10, Jesus said, don't you believe? Verse 11, Jesus says, just believe, Philip. You can hear the, Jesus' frustration in his response to Philip. With all this time I've spent with you, you still don't believe the Father and I are one? I think at times we can say that about all of us. With all the miracles I've performed, you don't believe the Father and I are one? Philip walked with Jesus for over three years. He was with the very presence of God, the Father, in the embodiment of Jesus, the body of Christ. But he never grasped the revelation of this truth. He was still looking at Jesus from a natural viewpoint instead of looking at Jesus as the very Son of God. And for me, this story, this event of Philip's life, it's a reminder for all of us today and boy, it started off this morning during our prayer time. It started off our morning when we were walking through the seats and we were praying. If you ever want to join us during prayer time, 920, before we start service, 920, it's a great time. 
we start to pray and, and Brett shared a powerful word from the Old Testament how they continued to have festivals and how they, they honored God and how they worshiped God and, and how the church it seems like in the Old Testament maybe was a little bit more exciting than the church of the New Testament of what we are in today because guess what? They were celebrating the Heavenly Father. Why? Because they never took God common. And it's a reminder for us today to stop viewing Jesus as common and start viewing Jesus as the Son of God. It's time to honor Jesus with your life. When Jesus becomes, and I want you to catch this thought, when Jesus becomes extraordinary in your life, then the power of God can begin working through your life in supernatural ways. When Jesus becomes extraordinary in your life, then the power of God can start working in your life in supernatural ways. When Jesus becomes extraordinary in your life, when he's not just Joe Blow from the bakery, when all of a sudden you recognize that you are walking with Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, that all of a sudden you understand that the very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that lives within you is from the Heavenly Father, that he walks with you, that he talks with you, that he guides you, that he directs you. All of a sudden when you start recognizing this is a miracle, this is a supernatural thing, I am so excited about Jesus Christ. All of a sudden when we get excited about Jesus, when we start walking with God, guess what? Great things start to take place but when we take Jesus as common when we put him up on the shelf and I'm speaking to myself right now when I pray and I pray that oh, it's just like a natural thing I do every day I'm just going to pray and I'm not taking Jesus seriously when I make fun of Jesus in certain things which I try not to ever do but I know some when you just take him in commonplace don't take Jesus common don't make him just a natural thing. Jesus is supernatural. See, Philip kept on seeing Jesus in the natural instead of seeing the supernatural power of God residing in his life. When you start recognizing who Jesus is, the supernatural starts to take place in your life. Sorry for getting so excited. Yes, I'm not sorry for being so excited. Thank you. Excited about Jesus. The events that we have of Philip's life have not given him a good review. <laughs> if it's a job performance review, you go like, oh, I don't think I'm going to hire this guy to be one of the 12. We might conclude that he's not qualified to be an apostle. But that's from a human perspective. Praise God we don't live under a human viewpoint. Scripture doesn't tell us what happened to Philip. Christian tradition states that Philip never abandoned his faith with Jesus. He went on to share the gospel of Jesus Christ until he was killed for his faith. Remember Jesus, and I want you to catch this from the very beginning, what I shared with you. Jesus pursued Philip and called Philip to follow him. And it should bring hope to each and every one of us who view things from a natural perspective. There are times you might not feel qualified. There are times you might not feel worthy. And guess what? Those statements are true from a natural perspective. But from God's perspective, you are called to be His. It's the whole purpose of why Jesus came to the earth. He died on the cross for your sins to lift the burden of sin, to lift the bondage of sin away from your life so that you can allow Jesus Christ to be glorified in you. 
It reminds us that as we surrender to Jesus, he will take our weaknesses and use them for his glory. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul's, or not Apostle Paul's, it reminds me of Jesus' words to the Apostle Paul when Paul was struggling. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I believe Philip's humanity is displayed openly in Scripture to remind each and every one of us that God can use all people for His glory. Do you believe that? Lord, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You that Your Word, Lord God, is not just words on a piece of paper, but that they're very life and breath of Your Spirit to us. And I pray today, Lord, as we have shared Your Word, as we have worshipped You, Lord, today, I pray that the hearts and the lives of people have been moved upon. And that people here today, Lord God, will not just take you as common, will not just take you as ordinary, but God, they will understand that you are the Messiah, that you are the Savior of the world, that you are the one who came from heaven to earth to die on a cross for our sins, that you are the one that has set us free if we put our faith in you. Lord, today I feel like there's some that need to put their faith in you. There's some here online, or maybe they're here in person, that need to make a decision to follow you. They've put you in common, ordinary, instead of understanding that you are the one that can resolve all things, that you are the one that can set them free from sin, that you are the one that can realign their lives to follow after you. And I'm not gonna make this, I'm not gonna make this long. You just need to respond. If that is you today, and you need to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand real high. Just raise your hand real high. Announce it to everyone. Ah, it's me. With heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment, I see that hand. Anybody else that needs to make that commitment? I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. God is proud of you right now for making a commitment. Don't make him ordinary. Don't make him common. If you're watching us online and you're making that commitment, to Christ God sees you right now and I want all of us here today in the congregation to say this prayer because we need to say it regularly not that we're not saved but it's just good practice for our hearts and for our lives everybody say this prayer with me today Lord Jesus forgive me of my sins today I choose to follow you Help me not to make you ordinary. Because you are extraordinary. Help me to walk away from sin by giving me the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord good he is faithful today if you made a commitment to follow Jesus guess what it's easy to just go ah. walk away here today but man I challenge you today don't continue to celebrate him in your heart and life thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast we appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving we are able to provide these resources 
For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.